This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Perkeese, and thank you for joining me as always. The NFL Draft is less than a month and a half away now. Free agency is set to kick off. And here at Saturday to Sunday, we are rounding out our Tier Buster series with the 2021 wide receiver class. If you have missed any of the previous three episodes, Matt was here able to join me on those three episodes. And we went through and discussed the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the tight ends. And tonight, solo, I'm going to run through my wide receiver tiers which is without a doubt the deepest of the skill position classes in this upcoming NFL draft. But before I dig into the wide receivers, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, this is a developing process, right? This year is more unusual than any other year. You know, we're circling back to 2019 film, more, you know, the limited availability of film from 2020 season, you know, we're watching more, you know, we don't have the combine, you know, in, in the traditional sense, there wasn't the shrine bowl. So even as we're doing these tier buster shows, I, I'm almost finished. I think I have one profile left in Scotty notebook and I don't think we're adding anybody else. Then, then from there, it'll just be updates and modifications and adjustments. I have to write the profile up on Chase Smith, but we are now, you know, over a hundred profiles in that in terms of draft eligible prospects and some guys who we expected to declare, but did not, it's been separated. But before I, I turn to the wide receivers, I wanted to touch base with some tier movement in the other positions that we've already done just in the last couple of weeks, right? We started tier busters three weeks ago. I think it was with the quarterback position. Then we did the running backs and then tight ends, but there's constant movement in my tiers because there's still more film that I'm getting around to checking back on circling back on, you know, watching guys back to back to get a better feel for guys. And this is, I'll be doing this right up until, you know, draft weekend itself, you know, partially just to familiarize myself with, more players and for the draft projections notebook, and then also really fine tune my rankings and tiers of the guys who I've already done deep dives on. So a couple of tier movements in the positions we've already went. If we start the quarterback position, I think the one significant movement there is I have within tier two flip flop, Jamie Newman and Kyle Trask. So when we did the quarterback tier show, you know, Mac Jones was at the top of my tier two. I do not think he's around one player. I think he's around two player. But then I had Kyle Trask, and then rounding out my tier was Jamie Newman. I have flip flop Jamie Newman and Kyle Trask inside my tier there. So that's that's something I think significant because I don't think a lot of people have Jamie Newman that high. So for me now, Jamie Newman comes in as my sixth quarterback in this draft. A lot of people have Kyle Trask there. Some people, you know, then after Kyle either before Kyle Trask or after Kyle Trask has Davis Mills. I still have some questions about Davis Mills. I know he looks the part, but uh, I think he is more a developmental prospect and I'm not really that comfortable moving him into my tier two, but Jamie Newman took the leap over Kyle Trask within my tier two. And then the other tier movement was Ian Book, who I had as a tier four guy. He moved into tier three for me. So now he's in the same tier as Kellen Mond, Sam Ellinger, Davis Mills, and he rounds out that tier at the back end of it. And that's because kind of when, when I listened back to that show and then, you know, I kept thinking about it, 
a little bit more. I, I sit here and say, I think he's going to have a Colt McCoy like career. Well, if he's going to develop into a backup quarterback and be in the NFL for eight to 10 years, he shouldn't be a fourth tier player. Those are really, you know, those are more like late round, round seven UDFA prospects. Ian Book has, if, if, if a team thinks Ian Book can be a Colt McCoy like player and he's got the smarts and intelligence, the athleticism, and he's just adequate arm talent, which we already know. But if they think he could be a serviceable back, backup quarterback for a long time, he's going to go in round five or six. So I kind of bumped him up to where I think, you know, maybe a round six player or so, you know, maybe he sneaks in the back end of round five. But I think he's a round six player. But I just think they're, I think he's closer to the Kellen Mond, Sam Ellinger, Davis Mills group than I had him with the Felipe Franks, KJ Costello, and Shane Michelle. So that was my quarterback movement. At the running back position, I think the the biggest – change since we did the running back show was Kenneth Gainwell jumping into tier two. So Kenneth Gainwell jumps into tier two ahead of Trey Sermon for me, but I think those guys are very interchangeable. Uh, But the big thing is that Kenneth Gainwell moved in. He was the guy that I talked about with Matt on the podcast as a guy who I thought could jump into tier two. I think he belongs in tier two. I think tier two was kind of, you know, you got Javante Williams is a little bit more towards almost tier one than he is to the rest of the guys in tier two, but I don't think he's a first round guy. So that's why I have him in tier two. But I, I now think the the margin between Michael Carter, Kenneth Gainwell and Trey Sermon is very small. I like Michael Carter the best, but then I think Trey Sermon and Gainwell are very much, scheme dependent and what you want. You want that more physical between the tackles, occasionally to the outside style runner and sermon. He's, he's your guy. If you want that guy who could be a really prolific pass catcher at a backfield and offer home run threat, that's Kent Gainwell. Gainwell has been a little out of sight, out of mind. And I think that's kind of why he's fallen down, but I think he belongs in that tier with those guys. So he made a tier jump up for me. Besides that, other, other things that, have been small movements. Uh, Khalil Herbert still don't have him in tier three where I have Chuba Hubbard, Demetri Felton and JVN Hawkins, but Khalil Herbert moved up a little bit in my, uh, in my tier four. Uh, I still like Puka Williams, Larry Roundtree and Jamar Jefferson round out that tier as well. Jamar Jefferson still getting a lot of love. He's a guy that I still want to circle back to and see if I'm a little bit too low on him, but I know Jameer Jefferson and Khalil Herbert have a lot of fans in the draft Twitter community, uh, even in more of the major uh, draft community in terms of those two guys. But I'm this, I'm not ready to put them on the tier with Juba Hubbard, Demetri Felton, and J. Van Hawkins. And many people might have Demetri Felton now pushed into their wide receiver tier. I still have them there in the running back tier. But Hubbard, Felt, Hubbard Felton, and Hawkins, I see game-breaking speed and big playability. I see pass-catching ability for Hubbard and Felton. So I just didn't feel comfortable moving Herbert or Jefferson into that tier. So to me, they belong in that specialized role, depth to, to part of a committee where I have Jared Patterson, who does have some pass catching ability, but small school guy, Puka Williams, who I like his versatility, pass catching, change of pace. So I still am there with Khalil Herbert and, and Jameer Jefferson. So the biggest change in the wide receiver tier, in the running back tiers, is obviously Kent Gainwell going up. And then not much change at the tight end position. That was our mo- our most recent position, uh, and, and there hasn't been any movement yet in there. So that those are just some small 
tier jumps and tier movements that I wanted to kind of keep you in the loop on just to let you know that this is a developing process. What you hear, what you heard from me in terms of my tiers in February is probably not what it's going to look like by the time draft night rolls around. So if you, if you have the notebooks constantly be checking, it tells you, you know, when they've been updated last, you know, and quickly can scan it to see if there's been any tier movement guys moving up, moving down. You can see my rankings as well uh, there for all the four skill players. So let's transition this over to the wide receiver position and a lot to talk about here in terms of the wide receivers. So let me give you the breakdown first of our tiers. And since I'm running solo tonight, I'll break this up like this. I'll talk about what makes up tier one, who's in my tier one, and then we'll go back and I'll I'll read through what consists of our tier two, who's in it, and we'll go like that just to kind of break it up a little bit uh, rather than me reading off what makes up our five tiers and then just rattling off names for the rest of the show. So for us, our tier one, we consider it a potential first-round selection in the NFL draft. We obviously know some guys could fall you know, into the top part of round two, but we think they have round one potential. We think they are potentially a top eight dynasty rookie pick. Obviously, if there's a bunch of them, like this year is a bunch, which means they might not all go in the top eight, right? Especially depending on if it's super flex or, or that. So it's really a top, you know, top eight round one dynasty rookie pick. And we think they should be an immediate starter at the next level into wide receiver sets. Now, obviously, guys, we know that the base packages for so many teams now have turned into uh, three wide. So should be an immediate starter can look that in a variety of ways. Maybe it's an immediate starter in two wide sets, three wide sets. They move guys in around so much. But when we made these tiers, it was more should be an immediate start at the next level. And I do think that you can make the case that it's either in two wide or three wide receiver sets. So that's what makes up our tier one. So now, players in tier one for me. Jamar Chase out of LSU, Devonta Smith out of Alabama, Jalen Waddell out of Alabama, Rondell Moore out of Purdue, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, Terrace Marshall out of LSU, and Kadarius Toney out of Florida. Even in this tier, I was fortunate enough uh, to be on the Fantasy Joe's podcast a couple of weeks ago. In this tier, I think you could divvy it up into a 1A and a 1B. I truly believe that. For me, there's a tier break after Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddell. I think those guys warrant top 10, top 12 consideration. I think all three of them are gone by the time the Giants pick it, by the time the Giants finished picking at pick 11. I don't think any of those wide receivers are sitting there for pick 12. So I think those guys are top of the draft tier one wide receivers. The other guys I think are somewhere from, you know, the teens, late teens through pick 32. I think they weren't consideration in that part of the draft. So for me, Jamar Chase, I know he's been a little bit out of sight, out of mind, but prolific season last year can do it all he's got a little bit more obviously size and frame than devonta smith great route runner not a blazing speed he's 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 fast he he's got great play speed but he's not a guy who would who was going to run a four three or four three five he was probably going to be in that four four five the four four nine range but his body control his ball skills his route running his ability to adjust at the catch point in air so many things about Jamar Chase, his, his clean releases, his footwork. There's not much that Jamar Chase doesn't check off 
in terms of high-level skill. So he's at the top in my tier one. Devonta Smith, I did a whole podcast with the Rookie Fever podcast on Devonta Smith. I strongly suggest you checking it out. But Devonta Smith, ridiculous season. He went back to school. He proved someone like me who thought it was crazy to go back to school when I thought he was locked in for a pick between 20 and 40 last year. He goes back to school. He absolutely kills it, wins the Heisman Trophy, wins the national championship. I know people have concerns about frame. I know people have concerns about BMI. I'm not concerned about it. I think he's an outlier. He reminds me of Marvin Harrison. The The size and frame didn't impact Marvin Harrison. I do not think it'll impact Devonta Smith. Do not compare him to Marquise Brown. I still like Marquise Brown. I still think Marquise Brown's going to be a good player. But Marquise Brown is a completely different player than Devonta Smith. Marquise Brown, his calling card was his, his ability to get vertical uh, and went on the long ball. I think Devonta Smith is way more nuanced than Marquise Brown. I think he's one of the better route runners. I think his his releases are great. I think his ability to get off the line of scrimmage, I think is great. I don't think his side his size hinders him. You see him at times even go up and and show ability to show good play strength at the catch point. I don't think he gets knocked off his routes. A lot of times you can't even catch him and stay with him. So I don't think the size and physicality, you want to put a big physical defender on him. I think he's going to use his speed, his footwork, his craftiness, and he's going to create separation. His separation quickness is great. His play speed is great. You know, everything about Devonta Smith, he showed it when Jalen Waddle went down. He could beat a focal point, know the defenses were going to be honing in on him. It did not matter. Devonta Smith is my number two. But right there, Jalen Waddle, number three for me in my tier one. I don't think in a few years, if we look back at this draft class, I will not be surprised if Jalen Waddell is the best of the entire group or Chase or Devonta Smith. I don't think there's much of a difference between those guys, provided the medicals check out for Jalen Waddell. If the medicals check out for Jalen Waddell, he is the closest prospect we have had since Tyree Kill. Every year, people want to compare somebody to Tyree Kill, and it's usually a poor comparison. I don't think Jalen Waddell is a poor comparison to Tyree Kill. His speed translates as better than anybody else I've seen, I think, from the college game to the to the NFL in terms of what we see. His time speed translates to football speed, play speed, his ability to win vertical, his ability to, on a manufactured touch in the short to intermediate range, take it the distance, the tactical value he brings, the fact that defenses will have to account for him on every single play. And even for a smaller guy, play strength is good. Toughness is good. The ability to go up and win it at the catch point. He's not afraid to mix it up just like Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill might be a little bit more fluid in his lateral movements, in, in his releases, but Jalen Waddell, I think, still has room to grow there and develop. I think he's the closest thing we've had to Tyree Kill since Tyree Kill's been dominating the NFL league. So those three wide receivers make up the top of my tier one. The the, the second part of my tier one, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, Terrence Marshall, Kadarius Tony. Rondell Moore, again, been a little out of sight, out of mind. I think he could still be an, a high-level impact player in the mold of a Debo Samuel or DJ Moore. He's got a different body type uh, you know, than, than Debo Samuel a little bit, but I still think he's almost got that build to him. Even for a smaller guy, you're going to do different things with him. You're going to manufacture touches, the jet sweeps, the end, the rounds, the touch passes. He's going to, he can, he can win at the catch point. I like his toughness and physicality to go up and get it even at his sides. But Rondo Moore to me reminds me a lot of DJ Moore, Debo Samuel. You blend them together. That's who I think Rondo Moore is. Rashad Bateman, he's a guy who I think is going to go later than he should. He might go around two. I think it's going to be a mistake because before the year started, 
he was right up there behind Mar Chase, the number two wide receiver in this class. I, I get a lot of Keenan Allen-like vibes from Rashad Bateman. I think he's got inside-outside versatility. He's not a burner. I think he can play and be productive at any of the three wide receiver positions. You need him to play the flanker, he can play it. You need him to play the X, he can play it. You need him to play big slot, he can play it. I think he's a little bit more athletic than a Keenan Allen, so it's not a perfect comparison, but the inside-outside versatility, the, route, the craftiness to his route running, the ball skills – I like Rashad Bateman a lot. I think he's going to go too low, and then people are going to look back at this draft, just how people look back and say, how did, why, how did Michael Thomas fall to the middle of round two, all the receivers that were taken ahead of him. I think some receivers might go ahead of Rashad Bateman, and that might be a mistake besides the top three that, I'm, that I talked about earlier because I think Rashad Bateman is a very complete player. He might not have that one elite calling card, right? He's not going to run 4-4. He's not, you know, he doesn't have this elite size and, and frame like a Julio Jones or anything like that, but I think he does everything above average to very good. And it's, he's going to translate at the next level and his route running, his craftiness, his athleticism, his size frame. When you blend it all together, I think you're talking about an immediate impact starter at the next level. Terrence Marshall out of LSU. To me, he has got part Kenny Galladay, part Allen Robinson, but more athletic. He's a true X wide receiver, a team that's looking for that prototypical X wide receiver, late round one, early round two, I think should be targeting Terrace Marshall out of LSU. I think his ball skills, his ability at the catch point remind me a lot of an Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay, but I think Marshall's got some more juice to his game than either of those in terms of his, in terms of pure speed. So I like Terrace Marshall a lot. And then Kadarius Tony. It was great to see him put it all together. I He's the guy who, if I was going to pick one, is closest to Tier 2, Kadarius Tony would be it. Because we have some guys in Tier 2 that I think are very similar to Kadarius Tony. But I gave Kadarius Tony a little bit of an edge from what I saw from him this year. I think he, some people have used the Tyreek Hill comparison from him. I, I don't agree with that. But I do think that he's a game breaker. I think he's a guy that is going to, bring a lot of value to an offense. And I think he's going round one. So that's the reason on, on my filmy Val, I think he's more my tier two guys, but in terms of blending it into the draft projection and stuff like that, I think he's a lock for, to go round one. If you tell me he's the fourth wide receiver taken after Chase Smith and Waddle, who will be the top three in some order, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony goes ahead of Marshall, Bateman, and more. I think at this point, I now would almost right now, currently, if the draft was today, I think I would project Kadarius Tony to go ahead of those guys if I was if I was putting out the draft projections notebook right now. His ability, again, to be used in a variety of ways, an offensive playmaker. His ability, I like his play strength and physicality and toughness at his size as well. His ability to make big plays. Obviously, he's got a little route refinement, a little route development he's got to work on as well. But all of these guys got some development to them. So we're not really focusing too much on the developmental aspect. You know, if you if you get if you uh by the premium notebooks, there's a whole section on developmental areas and concerning areas. We don't call them weaknesses anymore. We change that because some of it, it, we thought we at too many times, especially with the film we have access to, we thought we were pigeonholing somebody as a weakness and it might not have been a weakness. It might've been an area that they needed development and a concern because we just hadn't seen it. So just because you hadn't seen certain things doesn't necessarily mean it's a weakness. It's just something that, you know, we have some concerns about because we just didn't see it potentially on his college film, especially the college film that we were working with. Yeah. He's got to show the ability to get off press, but again, I don't think guys are going to come up and, and press him too much because of his game breaking ability. 
ability. And like I said, some route tree and route running development. But Kadarius Tony, big time playmaker. I don't think he's number one. I think he's the guy that's got to be go to a team that has a well-established number one wide receiver, and then he could be a high-level, impactful player. Think about the Green Bay Packers, and you could say that about every wide receiver. So any wide receiver goes to Green Bay, I've already said it's my favorite landing spot. But you think about a guy like there is Tony. His profile fits more towards the back end of round one. You talk about what I think he can and can't be. I don't think he could be a true alpha wide receiver that can be the focal point of an offense. But if you put him in a place like Green Bay that has Devontae Adams, I think Kadarius Tony. then you're not going to be able to double Kadarius Tony. The attention and the coverage that Devontae Adams get is going to leave Kadarius Tony more times than not with one-on-one coverage. And I think that opens up the door for him to be a high-level impactful player. So Kadarius Tony is one of those guys where the other guys more profile to, I think, be number one wide receivers. I don't think Kadarius Tony does. You combine his upside, his game-breaking speed, I think this is why you see him as a round one guy because teams are looking for that speed, looking for that high-level impactful player. You pair him with another high-end wide receiver, I think that's where you're going to see Kadarius Tony really blossom and be a high-level impactful player at the next level. So that's my tier one. Like I mentioned before, I think Kadarius Tony on film would be the closest guy to tier two, but the round one projection keeps him in tier one for me right now. Next, tier two, the breakdown. This is a guy who we think is locked and loaded to be a day two wide receiver pick. So it could be early day two, mid day two, somewhere on round three. But we think we feel really confident the the night two of the NFL draft is not ending and these guys are still on the board. In terms of dynasty, obviously, you know, league setting changes things. But we think this is a guy who could go in round one, especially with a good landing spot. But by the middle to end of round two, this guy is off the board. So, So late round one to late round two, dynasty rookie pick i think is what this group here would be obviously every year depending on the number of players uh you know changes things for sure but we think late round one to late round two dynasty rookie pick we think this is a complimentary wide receiver that should get immediate snaps in three wide receiver sets and should become a starter during their rookie season or by year two so high hopes for these guys. Teams aren't investing players in in round two, and this is our tier two, without the hope of them being a complimentary receiver early on, working their way immediately into three wide receiver sets, and then hopefully becoming a starter by the end of their rookie year or year two. In this tier for me, very, very big tier here. So remember, this stretches from guys who I think can go early round two to the end of round three. We got Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Amon Ross St. Brown out of USC. Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. Tutu Atwell out of Louisville. Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. Kate Johnson out of South Dakota State. Seth Williams out of Auburn. Tamarian Terry out of Florida State. Deami Brown out of UNC. And Amari Rogers out of Clemson. If I start at the top, Elijah Moore, he's the guy closest to Kadarius Tony. It's part of the reason why I struggle with whether or not Kadarius Tony should be in my tier one or my tier two. The reason why I put him in the, at the end of tier one is I think he's going round one. On talent alone, I think Kadarius Tony and Elijah Moore are almost even. I give the slight edge to Kadarius Tony, slight edge. Okay, but I think Elijah Moore is right on his heels. If I was going to put one more guy into my tier one, it would be Elijah Moore. If I was going to bring one guy off my tier one, 
to to put right at the top of my tier two with Elijah Moore, it would be Kadarius Tony. So Elijah Moore, obviously a prolific season. He's a slot guy. This is a guy who's going to make his living, but he's a vertical slot player. Think, think Tyler Lockett. Think somebody like that who can get vertical from inside the slot. Get great separation quickness. Good route runner can be a guy that can win at all three levels of the field from inside the slot. That is who Elijah Moore is. Obviously, sure, he's a sm- on the smaller side, stuff like that. But I think he's a guy who is going to be an impactful player. I think he immediately plugs in as your third wide receiver, your starting slot, and then you're not going to want him off the field too often because of his big playability. So I think he quickly is going to earn a significant role. Uh, I love Elijah Moore's game. Amon Ross St. Brown out of USC. He's a guy who... It's just flying under the radar. And I don't know if it's the NFL being hush-hush because they want him, they want to get him in their team. But whatever it is, he just doesn't seem like he's getting talked about a lot. And he's a guy who I think, if you're going to make a list of pro-ready wide receivers, Amon Ra, you don't get past your top five without putting Amon Ross St. Brown. So to me, Amon Ross St. Brown is as pro-ready as, as any other four wide receivers you want to pick in this draft class. He's got inside-outside versatility. He's got good ball skills, good body control, good hands, smooth movement skills. He's not a burner. He's probably in that 4.48 to 4.5 range, give or take, maybe even a little slower, but don't care. He can win at all three levels of the field. My only concern, and I talked about this on the Fantasy Joe's podcast as well, my only concern with Amon Ross St. Brown, I'd like to see him be a little bit for his style of play because somebody might say well i don't understand that you don't you're not worried about size and frame with Devonta smith with some of these other guys well yeah but it's all relative those guys are a little bit more explosive they're they're a little bit quicker they have more they, their play speed is a little faster for how amon ross st brown wins and his play style and i think he could be an outside wide receiver i would like to see him get a little bit fill out his frame a little bit more increase his play strength a little bit, be able to show that he could handle a more physical corner at the next level. So that's literally one of my only concerns or developmental areas with Amon Ross St. Brown. But I think he's another guy, very similar. If Rashad Bateman is around one version of what I said, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is the round two version of that. Above average to very good, pretty much across the board. He doesn't have a, he doesn't have a great, he doesn't have an elite, but above average to very good. I think he's ready to step in and be a very good number two slash number three wide receiver right out of the gate. So Amon Ross St. Brown is my number second guy in tier two. Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. We've been talking about him for a while, right? We thought he was going to come out last year. He suffered the injury. He comes back this year. Not the same player, but I still think he's rounded into form. For a guy his size and frame, his ability to win at the catch point, his play strength, his toughness, his physicality, he's almost got some Steve Smith Carolina in him. And I love that about him. His ability, his aggression. He's not as good as Steve Smith was at the catch point, but understand that this is not a guy who can't win at the catch point, even at his size and frame. He's got three-level versatility. He can win at the short, intermediate, or he can win down the field. He fights for balls. I love the the aggression that I talked about and, and the ball skills. I think he's a good route runner. And I think his movement skills are very good. I like his separation quickness. A lot to like about Tylen Wallace. If the medicals check out, if teams are, feel comfortable with that, I think he is somewhere late round two to late round three. I think he could be a guy. He might not go as high as this. I think there might be some guys on the in the NFL world that go higher than who are in my tier two, but go ahead of Tylen Wallace. But on film alone, 
I couldn't move many other guys ahead of Tylen Wallace just because what I've seen from him over his collegiate career, uh, I'm a big fan. Next up, Tutu Atwell out of Louisville. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah thinks this guy is as round one talent. He's an explosive, explosive player. Some people might say Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, Tutu Atwell, all very similar players, and I would not argue that. To me, those guys I like a little bit better when I watched them, but the explosion, the vertical ability, Tutu Atwell is right there with those guys, Kadarius Tony and Elijah Moore. I think those guys show a little bit more toughness and physicality. And I think I like their frame a little bit more. Tutu Atwell looks a little skinnier. You know, the the sizes, you know, they are what they are. We might not get those true official numbers that we usually get. But Tutu Atwell looks like he is a little thinner on the football field. I feel like he's a guy who who's not going to win much at the catch point, but you're going to rely on that big playability, that ability to get vertical. I mean, Louisville has had a lot of offensive problems in terms of their quarterback play, in terms of their offensive production since Lamar Jackson left. But Tutu Atwell is a guy who I think is, like I said before, I think he's going to go ahead of Tylen Wallace probably. I like Tylen Wallace's better, his all-around game a little bit better. And I, ha- I wanted to have a little bit of a separation between Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, and Tutu Atwell. So I put him on Ross St. Brown, and I put Tyler Wallace. It's kind of like dividers between them for right now until I get a chance to watch some more film. But I, I think Tutu Atwell is a guy who is going to develop into somebody's number three wide receiver, <clears throat> be a slot player who can get vertical from the slot. Okay, so Tutu Atwell, big game-breaking player. Two other guys that I put right below Tutu Atwell are two small school guys, right? Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan and then Kay Johnson out of South Dakota State. Both of these guys are are other players that I think are going to be vertical slot players. So what does that mean? I think they're guys that can create great separation quickness in their routes, but I think they have the vertical speed to bread in defenses vertically and be impactful players and can space the field and create more opportunities underneath, whether it's for a running back, a tight end, you know, the flanker wide receiver position, you know, whatever you're doing, they offer that, you know, Dwayne Eskridge, when I watched him, you know, at Western, his Western Michigan film, and then you saw him at the senior bowl. This is a guy who I love his big playability, his explosion, his releases off the line of scrimmage, you see him get vertical in a hurry and be a high-level impactful player. And then Kay Johnson, very similar. He was uncoverable when I watched the one-on-ones from the Senior Bowl. Uncoverable. As soon as I watched him play from the Senior Bowl, and then I circled back and found some South Dakota State film, he reminds me the same way I felt about Deontay Johnson coming out of Toledo. And I thought Deontay Johnson coming out of Toledo was a round three pick. He went around three, round four pick. He went even higher to the Steelers than I expected him to that year, and they loved him. I think Kay Johnson is going to surprise people. Dane Brugler and Lance Zerline on one of their Prospect of Pros great podcasts, they talked about they don't think Kay Johnson is getting at around three, and I agree with them. I think Kay Johnson's a round two player. I think he's a guy who profiles very similarly to Deontay Johnson coming out of Toledo. He gets me excited at the prospects of – of him being an impactful player at the next level, whether it's in the return game, he could be impactful, whether it's in the short to intermediate game or manufactured touches or the ability to get vertical as well. Next couple guys in this tier, a little bit different style player. You got Seth Williams and you got Tamarian Terry. I'm going to talk about those two guys together. Seth Williams, to me, is a blend of Alshon Jeffrey, Mike Evans style player. 
Okay. There were times that I wanted to see a little bit more effort from him, a little bit more my ball mentality, but he's a guy who can get vertical down the field, knows how to use his size to create space at the catch point, really good ball skills, ability to go up and get it, high point the football, great length, catch radius, all that stuff. A little bit more aggression is what I want to see out of Seth Williams. If I saw a little bit more effort, a little bit more aggression when I watched him, I think he could be a top 50 player, but really high level. Like I said, on that spectrum of Alshon Jeffrey to Mike Evans, right? If he was Mike Evans, then he should be in the first round. If he's Alshon Jeffrey, day two. That's the spectrum I see for Seth Williams. Now, Tamarian Terry's an interesting one. I'm going to say right now, he's not going from anything, unless everything I've read is wrong, he's not going on day two. He's just not. A lot of people have him way down their draft boards, round five, round six. The, the way I felt about Donovan Peoples-Jones last year and thought he should be a late round for pick is how I feel about Tamarian Terry. I think the offense in Michigan held back Donovan Peoples-Jones. I strongly think the offense at Florida State held back Tamarian Terry. Because if you watch Tamarian Terry's top plays and you watch him, he looks like a top 20 wide receiver in this draft class. He looks like a prototypical X wide receiver that should be in the same conversation as, as Terrence Marshall. Cause there was a point in time I had those guys basically back to back in my rankings. Now this year, you know, when everything going on to Aaron Terry fell a little bit, but I don't think it's as much as, as people think. I really think, the Florida State offense, the the quarterback play, the coaching. I think it has hurt Tamarian Terry. He's going to be my number one sleeper in the draft out there. But if Tamarian Terry goes in round five or round six of the NFL draft, I'm going to try to get him on every one of my dynasty rosters somewhere in round three or round four. Because when I watch him play, I, I mentioned before with Terrace Marshall that he had that Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, but more athletic. Tamarian Terry, the same thing. Go watch Tamarian Terry film if you haven't watched a lot of him. And this guy wins vertically down the field. You see him when he opens his stride lengths to have good speed and explosion once he he gets the ball vertically down the field. I think he has great length, great catch radius, the ability to adjust, good body control. I really like Tamarian Terry. I don't think he's going to go in the top 100 picks, but I couldn't move him out of this tier, even though this tier is mostly supposed to be a lot of for guys who I think are going to go in the first on day two of the draft because I think his talent level is worthy of a of a round two, round three pick, regardless of where he's going to go in the draft. And I I wanted to make sure that it was clear what I thought of his talent level. So Tamarian Terry is the guy I'm a big fan of. I know he's going to fall. I'm still going to target him wherever I can. Deami Brown out of UNC, another guy, a vertical receiver. I don't like him as much as Tamarian Terry or Seth Williams. He's definitely going to go higher than Tamarian Terry. He might go higher than, than Seth Williams. I, I like his ball skills. I like his body control, his ability to adjust. I don't think he has the, I don't think he's got great speed and he's got good speed. He's okay for a guy his size. So I don't think he's a game breaker, but I, I like him at the catch point. I think he can win vertically down the field. So I think Deami Brown is a guy somewhere in round three. Think about where Gabriel Davis went last year. I think Deami Brown and Gabriel Davis are very comparable players in terms of what they can be asked to do at the next level. You know, so that's kind of that's kind of a, a recent comp in terms of what I think about him as a prospect. I like him if he goes somewhere into mid late round three, or if he falls to the beginning of 
round four. I think that's okay. I think that's kind of what I feel like he should be. Uh, I don't think he's a round two guy, but there might be a team that looks at him and really likes what he brings to the table. And then my last guy in tier two, and he's probably, just like I said, Kadarius Tony was probably the guy who could be in tier two, who's in tier one. The guy who could be, who's in my tier two right now, could easily be in my tier three is Amari Rogers out of Clemson. This is a guy who kind of almost had to wait his turn, right? Justin Ross got hurt, the plethora of, of great wide receivers who came through Clemson over the years. And then Amari Rogers really got his opportunity this year to shine, and he ran with it, right? He's a slot wide receiver at the next level, brew and brew. So I don't think he's going to be, I was going to play a ton in two wide sets, but so many teams base package three Y Amari Rogers is going to be that slot wide receiver. But what I like about Amari Rogers different than those, some of those other guys is his play strength, his toughness, his physicality. Those are, those are traits of Amari Rogers that I really, really like. So he's got good quickness. He hasn't got great quickness. He's got good speed. He doesn't have great speed. He's got good explosion. He doesn't have great explosion. He's got good agility, elusiveness, but I like that combined with his play strength. I think he's going to less get thrown off his routes from more physical guys who are covering him. I think he's going to break more tackles with his play strength. And then you combine that play strength with his quickness and his footwork and his agility and elusiveness. I think he's a, is a plug and play. Is he going to be a high level, great production stats guy to the next level? No, but is he going to be a guy who's a rock solid, Number three, slot wide receiver who you can do some of those jet sweeps and manufacture touches, keep the chains moving, occasionally have a big play. But I like Amari Rogers, you know, for what I think he brings to the table, which is that productive slot wide receiver who has got a little bit more size and frame and play strength to him than maybe some of these other a little thinner guys who are going to win more vertically down the field. But there are some limitations or maybe concerns about their frame holding up at the next level and more physical guys. Could they throw them off their route? I don't think that's going to be an issue for Amari Rogers. So that's my tier two. If we keep this moving and I'll go through these, I'll go through tier three and tier four somewhat quickly and then really just scratch the surface on tier five. Uh, anybody that you really want to know more of it's in the notebook uh, or reach out to me on Twitter. Gladly uh, discuss players there as well. So my tier three, I think this is a late round three. So some of these guys could sneak in the back end of the top. I think now the compensatory picks were announced. So it's going all the way to 106 picks in the first three rounds. So some of these guys could definitely sneak in the, the last third or half of round three, or I think they're going to go on round four. To me, I think this is a late round two to late round three dynasty rookie pick. So late round three to late round four uh, dynasty rookie pick. I think... Uh, these players possess at least one starter trait, but have lacked consistency and execution in certain areas of their game. Keywords for this tier are potential, which means development is needed. Have a chance to develop into a top three wide receiver in the future. So again, late round three to round four NFL rookie pick, uh, late round two to late round three dynasty rookie pick. Upside potential has a chance to develop into a top three wide receiver. A lot of teams use four wide now. So guys in this range might be the fourth wide receiver on a, on a team. And, and that would be considered productive at the next level. In this group, I have Shai Smith out of South Carolina, Amir Smith Marset out of Iowa, Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn, Marquez Stevenson out of Houston, Daz Newsom out of UNC, and Nico Collins out of Michigan. 
I think we can group guys like Shai Smith and Daz Newsom together. They are slot players. I think Daz Newsom offers a little bit more vertical potential from the slot, similar to guys I've talked about before, right? Similar to similar spectrum to the Elijah Moore, the Tutu Atwell, just maybe not as skilled. So he's one tier behind, but I don't think it's massive in terms of the style of player he is. Daz Newsom compared to those other guys that I talked about. Shai Smith out of South Carolina. I think he's a true slot wide receiver. I think I like his quickness and movement skills. Very smooth. I don't think he's a guy who's going to win a ton vertically down the field. He's got some Emmanuel Sanders-like vibes. That's who he reminds me of. I like his route running. I like his separation quickness. He's a guy who I think I came a little bit late to the party on. Like I said, he's the last guy I got to put into the scouting notebook, but I like his ball skills. I like his route running. Uh, He's a guy who I think can really help an NFL team as their number three wide receiver. Anthony Swartz and Marquez Stevenson. They are they're the when when I read the description for this tier and I used the word upside and potential, Anthony Swartz and Marquez Stevenson define what we're talking about. Because Anthony Swartz and Marquez Stevenson offer big playability due to their rare game breaking speed. These guys aren't fast. They're not four three five to four four fast. These are guys who are in the four two fast, four two six, four two eight. Four two nine. These would be guys that if we were running traditional combine, I think both of these guys would have had a legitimate chance to be four three and under. Maybe they're four three three or four three four, but I feel pretty confident these guys would be under four three five with a legitimate chance to be in the four threes. I mean, with a legitimate chance to be in the four twos, but they're unrefined, right? They are guys who bring a lot of tactical value. You got to account for them. They have return capabilities. They're guys that you're going to want to get on some quick screens and some jet sweeps and end the rounds. And you're going to get them. You're going to, they have a limited route trait. So there's, there's route development, there's route running definement and, and refinement. They got to expand their route trait. But what they offer is game breaking speed. And when you have game breaking speed, You can be a weapon at the next level. So a team's going to take these guys, round three, round four, and they're going to look at them, and they might be a number three or number four wide receiver, but when they step on the football field, they're going to bring so much value. Is that going to translate to fantasy value? Inconsistency, probably. So if if they're number three slash number four wide receiver, they're probably not going to be very fantasy viable. But if they were to ever develop the things that I talked about, their route trade, their route refinement, and they refine themselves into a better all-around receiver – well, that's where they could potentially be a steal because of that game-breaking speed. So those are two guys. They got some ball skills at the catch point, the ability to adjust, you know, contort their body. They're both great athleticism, but it's their speed is their calling card. And I like their size. Their size is good enough to go up and get it. They got that track speed. So these that's where these guys fit in, that upside, that tier potential. Amir Smith-Marset, talked about him on the Fantasy Joe's podcast recently. He's an intriguing guy. Watched him really late. He is another guy who I think is going to intrigue NFL teams because of his versatility. You want him to play the flanker position? He can do it. Be a possession receiver on the outside. You want him to be a, your slot receiver? He can be your slot. You want to use him on manufactured touches and other things? You can do that with him. So Amir Smith-Marset didn't produce much at Iowa. Not for his own doing, I don't think. 
going to be a better NFL player than college player. I like Amir Smith-Marset. I think he can sneak in the back end of the round three, but if not, I think he's gone by the end of the round four. And then the only other guy in this tier was Nico Collins. Some people are much higher on Nico Collins, have a day two grade on him. I have some questions. I know he, he can pick up speed and, and run maybe a good 40 time straight, but I think his time speed is quicker than his play speed. I had some reservations about him in terms of his separation quickness. I think he might struggle with that at the next level. I like his ball skills. I like his body control, his ability to adjust. He offers a lot of that. If he can clean up his footwork, his route running a little bit, create a little bit more separation or translate that time speed to play speed. Uh, So I, you know, that's something that I'm intrigued to see if he runs because I think he might run faster than what I saw on the football field. Some people like him a lot more. I put him in this tier. I think he's more of a round four guy. And, th- and then, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think he warrants being taken uh, any earlier than that. If we take this to tier five, for me, tier, sorry, tier four. Tier four, round five, round six selection, the NFL draft. This is, you know, uh, late round three to round four in your dynasty rookie drafts. So we're talking about round five, round six, NFL draft. We're talking late round three, you know, through round five. So, you know, anywhere depending on landing spot could impact uh, where these guys go. Role players are specialists. These players provide depth for a franchise and they may get a chance at significant steps should a starter falter or injure or something like that. They could play in four wide receiver sets down the line. I don't think many teams are drafting guys in round five or round six and expecting them to develop into a top three wide receiver. If they develop into a top four wide receiver, I think that's a win. I think if they develop into a role player or a specialist, that's what NFL teams are looking for. They're drafting traits, they're drafting size, they're drafting speed, stuff like that. So for me, my tier four consists of Sage Surratt out of Wake Forest, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, Jamon Osborne out of Texas A&M, Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville, Frank Darby out of Arizona State, and Tyler Vons out of USC. Sage Surratt before the year started was in most people's tier two, day two pick. I think he's fallen back a little bit this year. Mostly he didn't play, so mostly due to the other guys around him. But I think the way the league is shifting, the way the evaluation is adjusting, I think people are going to have questions about his separation quickness at the next level. I have some concerns. To me, he reminds me a little bit of J.J. Orsega-Whiteside, who I had some concerns about. I love the ball skills. I love the physicality, the play strength, the toughness. He's going to be a red zone weapon, but I have my concerns about him winning vertically down the field with, with his with his lack of speed. So he's going to have to do it all at the catch point. And I think there's going to be some concerns about him creating space and, and getting open in his routes due to the lack of separation quickness. But he is still got some intriguing things, potentially a red zone weapon, and, and see if he could improve upon some areas of his game and get a little bit crisper with his footwork so the separation quickness isn't as much of a concern. Josh Palmer out of Tennessee was one of the, the risers at the Senior Bowl. He was not on my radar before the Senior Bowl. Have since watched him. He's not a guy I've added to the notebook just yet. Uh, he may be added, but he's a guy who I think offers more upside and intrigue than I thought. He's a guy who can get vertically down the field. I like his combination of size, frame, and athleticism and ball skills. Doesn't have a lot of production. you know. So I think that's the issue holding him back, but I think he's got a lot of upside. Jamon Osborne at Texas A&M. This is a guy that I've been a fan of for a couple of years. And I'll put Des Fitzpatrick because I think these guys are very similar. To me, they offer inside-outside versatility. My favorite traits of both of these guys is their play strength, physicality, and toughness. I think they could be a big slot, keep the chains moving. 
you know, or I think they could be outside possession wide receivers. So Des Fitzpatrick was really hurt by the lack of quarterback play over the last couple of years at Louisville. His best year, if you go all the way back, was with, when he was a redshirt freshman with Lamar Jackson. You go back and watch that Des Fitzpatrick, you think you're looking at a guy who's going to be a future star. Never materialized because of the quarterback and the offense, I think, at Louisville. But I think someone can get a steal with Des Fitzpatrick. So I think he's going to go round five, round six. But he's a guy from this group that I wouldn't be surprised if he develops into a top three wide receiver at the next level. I don't think an NFL team will draft him in round five or round six expecting that. But if I was going to pick one guy, it would be Osborne or Fitzpatrick, who I think could develop and materialize into a top three or top four wide receiver on a depth chart because of their combination of their athleticism, their production, their play strength, their physicality, and their versatility to be an inside-outside player, either as a flanker or a big slot. Frank Darby out of Arizona State kind of waited in the wings a little bit, right? You had, you know, you had Nikhil Harry there, then you had Brandon Ayuk, and then Frank Darby. Obviously, Pac-12 didn't play a lot of games this year, but Frank Darby, when healthy, I think the health is a big concern. He offers the ability to win vertically down the field and be a factor in the short to intermediate range as well. Like his ball skills, like his body control, his ability to adjust. Frank Darby is another guy who I like from this tier who who could even be in a, a tier higher, right? He could even be in that other tier based on his skill set and upside. And then Tyler Vaughn's out of USC. He's a guy who we've been talking about here since he was a freshman at USC. I like his body control, his ball skills. He's got good length, good catch radius, a little bit thin. I think that's the concern about him. He's an outside receiver because he's not a great route runner or he doesn't have great separation quickness. He's an outside receiver who's a little on the thinner side. But in college, it didn't impact him in terms of winning at the catch point. We'll see if that translates to the next level. A guy his size and frame trying to win the way he wins could have – could be a little bit more difficult at the next level, but he's another guy in a traditional year. I think he's a round four guy. And now I think maybe he's more of a round five, round six guy. So really deep, which is pushing these guys down. Uh, I didn't want to have everybody as tier four, you know, tier three guys thinking everyone's going to be in the first four rounds, right? We're trying to, you know, we're really trying to differentiate these guys the best we can. And then rounding it out, uh, tier five for me. The tier itself is made up of late round guys. So these could be, we got, we probably think these are around seven guys or UDFA selections in terms of dynasty leagues are probably late round watch list guys, stash guys. If you have taxi squads and stuff like that, we think they're developmental picks or we have limited exposure to what we have in terms of to making a full determination. So there are some guys here that there's just not enough film where I feel comfortable making a true determination. Other guys I've watched, and I think they're late round guys uh, who have some upside and intrigue to them, but have been pushed kind of down the board based on the depth of the class. So my tier five is made up of Trevon Grimes out of Florida, Brennan Eagles out of Texas, Javon McKinley out of Notre Dame, Brandon Smith out of Iowa, Semi Fihoku out of Stanford, Austin Watkins Jr. out of UAB, Damon Hazleton out of Missouri, Demonte Coxie out of Memphis, Warren Jackson out of Colorado State, Tariq Black out of Texas, and TJ Vasher out of Texas Tech. So a couple guys in here that I want to talk about. I'm not going to go through every single one. Brandon Eagles was a guy who was a big, big time recruit. He's got the size, got the frame, got the ball skills, got the body control, the length, the catch radius. I have questions like I have about Sage Surratt about his athleticism, his speed, his separation quickness. So I think he's going to push down the board, but he's got an intriguing set 
set of ball skills at the catch point and the length and catch radius where maybe he could develop at the next level. Demont Hazleton out of Missouri. When I watched him before the season started, I was surprised that he was a more well-rounded receiver than I thought. I didn't think he had anything in the very good category, but I thought that he had a lot above average to good. I think a solid wide receiver wouldn't be surprised if Hazleton kind of develops into a guy who could maybe push his way into being a number four wide receiver on a roster. Warren Jackson out of Colorado State intrigued me from this group. Really long. Thought he was going to come out last year. Great length, great catch radius, ability to high point, body control. But just like I talked about for Brennan Eagles, I have some concerns about separation quickness. I have some concerns about winning vertically down the field when he only is going to rely on ball skills at the catch point and his size and frame. But really productive couple years at Colorado State. Has that length and catch radius. Really tall, right? Rare height for a wide receiver. So can go up and get it. Might end up developing into a red zone specialist. Keep an eye on Warren Jackson. Tariq Black was one of the number one wide receiver recruits coming out of high school. Never lived up to the potential at Michigan. Part of it was his own doing. Part of it was injury. Part of it was Michigan offense, like I talked about before, Diamond Peoples Jones. The Texas, this year was a weird year. I think he's going to get drafted maybe higher than people think. I think he's going to get drafted because NFL teams still know what these guys, five star, what their star rating was coming out of high school, their high school testing numbers. I think someone's going to look at Tariq Black in round seven and say, we're going to draft this athletic guy who tested well coming out of high school, was a highly regarded recruit, got ball skills, length, catch radius. I think Tariq Black is a guy that teams are going to fall back on what he once was as a prospect and make an investment in him potentially as around seven or a guy who's quickly picked up on the UDFA market. And then TJ Vasher, another guy, very similar to Brennan Eagles, guys like that. Great length, great size, great frame, got ball skills, body control, ability to adjust, can go up and get it, high point the football. But there's just concerns about athleticism, speed, separation, quickness. Those are going to be the areas that are going to hinder some of these guys. Okay. So, so those are the guys that I, that I've done a deep dive on that are in the notebook. I'm still circling through and I, I need more exposure to Javon McKinley to get a, get a better read on him. Brandon Smith out of Iowa, guys like that. Uh, but there's some guys in here who might get pushed into the round five, round six mix. I think we're looking at another year where there's probably going to be 30 something wide receivers taken. Okay. A lot of talent here, guys, a lot of talent. So those are my five tiers. Hopefully you enjoyed. I tried to go a little bit quick snapshot of basically every guy in tier one, tier two, and tier three. I basically described them as a player. Most of tier four, I hit upon their their key characteristics and traits as well, and then hit upon a couple of guys in tier five that might have intrigue based on their size, frame, and their ball skills at the catch point. Guys, if you've been enjoying these shows, please get over to the website and check out the premium notebooks, guys. We we are behind where we usually are. Obviously we're working in a very unusual year this year, but any support that you can give us for the notebooks would be tremendous, would be greatly appreciated. All that investment goes right back into the podcast, into getting, you know, the server, the website name, all that stuff, the domain, all that, and the and the subscriptions we need to continue to bring you Saturday to Sunday the way we do it. If you've purchased in the past, we, we hope that you consider purchasing again. If you've been a longtime listener, and we know we have a lot of you guys, 
but have never purchased a podcast, we we would really, really appreciate it this year if you can uh, check it out and and help us out. It is the lifeblood of what we do here at Saturday to Sunday. You get the scouting notebook. I mentioned it before, 100 profiles broken up into guys who declared, guys who didn't declare, strengths, fundamental areas, developmental areas or concerns, uh, NFL role, NFL projection, fantasy spin. You get the rankings notebook, which has all our different types of rankings. We have our draft out draft rankings by position. We have our tiers. We have our Devi rankings. We still have my dynasty rookie rankings from last year updated going into the off season. And we'll have the new dynasty rookie rankings after the NFL draft. And then you get the draft projections notebook sometime mid to late April before the draft. It'll have tabs for every position, offense and defense. It'll have a snapshot of who they are in terms of like how they win and their, and their best characteristics. It'll have a developmental area or concern that I think is one, a few of the areas that that are the, the main areas of concern about the player. It'll have their size and their weight and stuff like that. No combine numbers this year. I'm not going to put pro day numbers in there because they're very sus- suspect from, from one place to the next. Uh, but normally it has the combine, you know, testing numbers in there. And then that will be ranked by everything I am hearing from the best in the industry to try to give you a preview of how it's going to happen on draft night. Not my rankings. Do you want my rankings? You can go look at the draft, the, the, the rankings notebook, but how I expect it to go from everything I'm hearing by position and then three tabs, me projecting what 32 players will go in round one, what players will go in the first three rounds, which we now know is 106 picks. And then I think it's 260 picks in the NFL draft this year. A tab, me trying to predict every single player that gets taken on draft weekend. We've had really good success being in the 200 to 215 range in terms of predicting the entire draft in terms of players that are going to be taken. We've been somewhere in the 25 to 28 range in terms of predicting round one. And we've been somewhere in the 80 to 87, 88 range in terms of predicting the guys coming off the board in the first three rounds. It's the, it's a really great companion piece to have on draft weekend to get a quick snapshot of who the player is and keep it, you know, I, I keep it updated the whole draft weekend. So as the guy gets picked, I highlight it in yellow. So if you have it up on your screen, you can quickly see the guys who have been taken and, and follow along as well as I am doing on my end as well. So I hopefully you enjoyed the Tier Buster series as always, as much as we like to bring it to you. We have a lot more planned for the pre-draft months here uh, in terms of guests, in terms of, you know, other stuff that Matt and I are working on here. So we will continue to get you guys ready for the 2021 NFL draft. Please go back and listen to these episodes. The tier buster episodes are some of our favorite episodes that we produce all year round. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And I look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.